Hey guys, what's going on the Podfather here? I feel like I'm doing this every week or every other week. Uh, there is some background noise at different parts of the show. Don't worry about it. I uh, have roommates. Sorry about that. It, it's still a great listen. We discussed Pebbles, my via Seth Rollins sermon from Monday Night Raw. Jeff Cobb taking a big L to uh, John Moxley on AEW Dynamite and more. Here you go. Here's the BC. Bulletcast for life. Ladies and gentlemen, you know the name, you know the voice, you know exactly why I'm here. Just in case if you don't, I am a 24-year-old piece of gold, almost had a, almost had a brain fart. The Messiah of the Microphone of the greatest sports recreational podcast in the world today, The Pod Father. And yes, I am still your bullet cast champion like Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Roddy Strong, and Adam Cole Bay. Bay, this Tartarine is hashtag forever undisputed. For life, brother. But you know I never do this alone. He's my tag team partner, the Jimmy to my J, the Tully to my arm, the Stevie Ray to my Booker T. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the host of the award-winning Under the Radar, host and creator of Curveballs and Chair Shots, the Canadian Destroyer, first ever Bullet Cast champion, BT, Brandon Tan Guma. How you doing today, BT? I was doing okay until you just... You butchered my name like that, you know, Philip. I don't, I don't appreciate that. What, what, what do you, what do you I, mean? How did I butcher I, your name? I, I don't, I don't know what kind of voice that was. You know, man. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an artistic being. I like to throw out different enunciations of people's names. It's kind of like Pac, how he would emphasize on his E's and A's, like, "Do you believe me?" You know, something, something like that. You know, that's, that's, that's all I was going for. If you don't like it, I'll never do it again. Never do it again. Just all, all you have to do is say the word. Never do it again. Never do it again. I might do it again. We don't know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have to talk about SmackDown because that that still happens, you know. We I have I, to. I, we do. I actually watched this whole thing because you know I made an appearance on the In the Click podcast with Baby Huey and Bimbo Jimbo. Make sure you go check that out. It was it's a phenomenal listen. They do great work, and I was there too. All right, so Bray White interrupts the Immortal One. Funhouse Bray Wyatt, he's playing the Universal title like uh, Hogan played the world title back in the day. Kind of like how Kyle O'Reilly plays whatever title he's holding, like a guitar. And, you know, Hogan tells Wyatt, you need to watch out for Goldberg, brother. He's he, he's a he's a real deal. He's a machine. And Wyatt's just playing mind games. Thoughts on this segment? It was a segment. I'm always intrigued to see how they portray Hogan and how Hogan is used and how the crowd reacts to him. Nothing really stood out. It was just Hogan being Hogan. And it's pretty similar to what happened the week before with Goldberg. They're setting something up, or at least they were teasing something with Hogan and Bray, at least at the Hall of Fame. Maybe something at WrestleMania. I don't know. I don't want Hogan to get physical with anybody i know he keeps saying he wants to have another match brother but th- those hips ain't those hips don't lie and if, if someone goes for a leg drop those hips might explode hips don't lie what is he shakira no one's hips lie well look, look man as i said on the itk um i, I don't want to see hogan have another match he just had his 10th back surgery it's look man if maybe he can throw a couple punches possibly yeah sure I don't think he needs to do a leg drop. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't even think he can get the leg up for a big boot, brother. But yeah, man, if he wants to throw a couple punches or point at him and be like, you, that's that's absolutely fine. 
No boots, no leg drops, and we will be a-okay. So Roman Reigns needs a partner to go up against The Miz and John Morrison, and he selects Daniel Bryan. Uh, Reigns and Bryan go over Miz and Morrison. Thoughts? As they should. Seems though maybe Roman is still on the path to face the Fiend. I didn't really know who Roman's partner was going to be, and then it was Daniel Bryan. I was like, of course it was Daniel Bryan, because the babyface roster on SmackDown is so thin that obviously it was going to be Daniel Bryan, because Daniel Bryan didn't do anything that day. And he goes over. I think this is a good move to have Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns have some sort of friendship relationship, because it you know eventually when Roman faces the Fiend, if that's what's going to happen, I think it's going to be another test, and maybe we might see some backlash, and maybe Daniel Bryan can quell that backlash if he is uh, friends with Roman Reigns. I don't know. It's 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 something interesting to see. I mean, I I really don't know what's going to happen here. It, it's all leading to what the hell? Blood Money in the Sand Five is next week, right? Yeah, it's on a Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. Let me look at my handy dandy calendar. Seven days from today. Uh, yes, it is. We will be doing a live recap and instant analysis of uh, Blood Money in the Sand 5 as we do the BC, so we can't wait for that. The SmackDown Women's Championship was on the line. Bailey successfully retains against Carmella. It was a good match. I mean, nobody got hurt. That's all we can ask for. And Bailey skirts away with some, uh, some circumstances, you know, puts her legs on the ropes. Naomi gets involved, so setting up a, uh, a match between Carmella and Naomi. Winner gets to f- go to Blood Money 5. And have a women's championship match. First time ever in the lovely, lovely kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, I didn't know the kingdom of Saudi Arabia was lovely. That's what they tell us. Oh, so okay, 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 okay. That, that's right. They they, they they look past all the all the politics and BS. That's that's right. Uh, Sheamus, Sheamus, the Celtic warrior fella. He successfully. Defeats Shorty G and Apollo Crews, or a.k.a. Titus O'Neil, um, in a handicap match. Yeah, it happened. Nobody got hurt. That's all we can Sheamus, ask for. Sheamus beats up short people, so what's better than beating up one short person? Beating up two short people at the same damn time, as beating, the song goes. Beating up a short black guy. Yeah. Yeah. Shame on you, WWE. You know what? From now on, in pro wrestling, in, in the month of February... All black people should go over. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that. If, if I was Booker of a promotion, that's what would happen. Yeah. Should mail into Bruce Pritchard and tell him. Oh, you know, you know what? Maybe I just need to start an all African American promotion. You know, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should be a revolutionary like that. We'll see. We'll find out. All right. Uh, Dolph Ziggler hijacks Otis's date with Mandy Rose. Uh, shout out DZ. My, my, he's a show. He's a show stealer. He's a girl stealer. I mean, look at him. Look at that charming young chap. Who wouldn't want to go on a date with Dolph Ziggler? She she should be happy. She should be very very happy that Ziggler swooped in and got rid of that 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 meathead Otis. I don't think this is the end of the storyline. I think you can say that it was a mix up. Mandy wasn't actually going out on a date with Dolph Ziggler. I'm a little scared because in the past, WWE would always do the thing where, oh, the pretty girl would never be with someone like Otis. So, you know, all you neck-bearded wrestling fans out there, you know, d- d- just stop. Don't don't try to, to hit on these beautiful women. But, yeah, I'm having faith. I'm going to hold out hope that this isn't the end of the story and Otis and his peach will get together. 
eventually. Or maybe he could just be with Tucky. He's always going to be with Tucky. Oh, let's tell that story. All right, ladies and gentlemen, outside of the ring, the Ruthless Aggression series on the WWE Network. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen the first two episodes. The first episode discusses uh, the WWE takeover of WCW and how something was missing and competition was gone and how Vince initiates the Ruthless Aggression era where Raw will first SmackDown in competition every single week for ratings and just better off performances. And then episode two is about the big franchise player, Big Match John Cena. How he debuts with Ruthless Aggression, and then he kind of falls to the wayside wearing those bright, colorful trunks, trying to match the uh, colors to every sports team. Uh, SmackDown went to that town every single week. And then how he comes upon the Doctor of Thugonomics uh, character, and how he just becomes the franchise player and Big Match John. Brandon, have you seen the Ruthless Aggression series? I watched a little bit of the first episode before NXT TakeOver started. I enjoyed it. My one thing is I wonder what kind of propaganda they are going to spew with this WWE documentary. Because, yes, the Ruthless Aggression era was when I started watching. I have nostalgia for it, but let's be honest, there was also a lot of crap with the Ruthless Aggression era. And business wasn't all that good. It did go down. I mean, it's been going down ever since the Attitude Era. So I don't think they're going to talk about the downside and the business aspect of the Ruthless Aggression era at that time. But... It's probably just going to be all, you know, lollipop, rainbow, and unicorns, and how great that era was. What, uh, what, 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 what crap happened, Brandon? Heidenreich happened. Uh, Heidenreich, what else? Enlighten us, man. Do you really want me to just list everything? Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, I don't really want to. Do, do it. Do it now. I mean, who was the dude that, like, came on across? There's, like, some other stuff. I mean, Kane and Lita, like, the baby and Snitsky and abortions, not abortions, but miscarriages and not miscarriages and punting the baby. I mean, you know, that was just the tip of the iceberg. All that stuff was great. It wasn't his fault. If you say so. Made a career out of it. Made a career out of it not being his fault. Made a lot of money for him not being to blame. I don't see the problem with that. Kane fornicating a corpse. Oh, <laughs> Katie Vick. <laughs> oh, how how could we forget Katie Vick? Kane barbecuing Shane McMahon's testicles. Kane did a lot of did a lot of stuff in the in, in the early part of the ruthless aggression era. Mm. Maybe we need to have a Kane career retrospective. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to find out. We'll, we'll see what's up with that. Uh, but it, it is a nice listen. I can't wait to see... Or nice watch, I'm sorry. I can't wait to see what's going to happen with episode three, who they're going to choose. Maybe maybe they'll do Eddie, his rise to the top. I think that'd be very nice to see. Uh, but continuing with WWE pseudo-documentaries, the FCW story is coming to the WWE Network on March 8th of this year. It's going to be discussing FCW, what happened to it, its demise, and it's um, turning into NXT, which is... the best wrestling on the planet. Brennan, do you have any thoughts of FCW? Not really. I don't know a whole lot about FCW besides it being kind of that in-between uh, portion of WWE's developmental between NXT and OVW. So it's going to be interesting, especially since a lot of people that are top guys today went through that promotion. Absolutely. Good to see Sheamus and Jinder Mahal and Mike Dalton, who became Tyler Breeze, 
the Portuguese the Portuguese Sun Dragon who becomes Fondango. You get to see all that stuff. It's fascinating. It really is. All right, uh, Sasha Banks. Apparently, she is going to be on the Mandalorian season two. Apparently, she has filmed a couple scenes or episodes. Sasha Banks trying to make her way into the uh, the acting world. Excited for this. I saw Mandalorian season one. Absolutely loved it. Can't wait. I, there better be Sasha Banks and Baby Yoda memes. There, there better be, man. Baby Yoda, he's a gem. He's really taken over the internet, and Sasha Banks is the boss. And Sasha, I still do got this hot sauce if you're interested, baby girl. All right, we also have WWE apparently doing away with scripted promos. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler had an interview, and he said, you know, he's noticed since uh, Heyman's taken over at Raw, guys aren't reading scripts. They just have uh, bullet points. Hit this point, kind of find your way to it. I, I think that's great. I think it's natural. You know, it, it makes... Uh, Makes less wrestling look kind of less awkward in a way. But then again, it could be awkward if you do forget a line. But then again, some guys don't even think they need bullet points, like a like a Randy Orton or a, or an Edge. You know, guys who have been doing this for for so long. You know, or even a Paul Heyman, who is probably the master uh, at at the promo currently in WWE. So this 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 is a win. This is a very big win. When it comes to Jerry Lawler, I always take what he says with a little pinch of salt because he does have a little bit of a, a reputation for just kind of not doing all the hard work. He just kind of comes in, does his stuff, and leave. So I don't know if he exactly knows everything that's going on in WWE because there does seem like there's still his scripted promos like the Liv Morgan stuff, Lana stuff. Um, I mean, Seth Rollins' promo, like even on this week, I don't know if it was scripted out verbatim, but... It did seem to meander and go on for a little bit, but I've always been a proponent of less scripting. If guys and girls want to have a script, let them have it. If they don't, you know, give them the option, whatever they feel most comfortable with. But if this is the case, uh, hopefully Jerry Lawler is right, because I think if uh, you're less scripted, you're more likely to feed off the crowd and you know have a good feel with what your character is instead of just because. People know, like as a student or as, you know, even in work, if you're doing a presentation, you just script everything out. You just are reading. You're not really saying it. There's a difference between, you know, reading and saying it from the heart. Exactly. There's a difference between all of that. There's also a difference between just reading and having a reading rainbow. I don't know, Brandon, were you a fan of reading rainbow as a child? No? Okay. Big reading rainbow fan. Reading rainbow, take a look. Oh no, we're not doing that. I'm trying to outdo the uh, the young boy number two who started singing on the show. You ain't passing him up, man. It's generational talent. Can, can we see him this weekend on American Idol? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, Samoa Joe is injured yet again. He was filming a commercial and he took a, I guess, a, I don't, a, apparently a bad table spot or something. He he has a head injury. Uh, Joe, he, I guess he's just injury prone, bro. At this stage in his life and career, I don't want to see him hang him up because I'm I'm a, I'm a big Samoa Joe guy, you know, a hefty fellow that can move around like a cruiserweight. I love all of that. What are your thoughts on Samoa Joe? I didn't hear about this until right now, so it is sad to see. He just got over that one injury a few weeks ago. He's in. I would. I guess he would say the main storyline right now because Brock Lesnar isn't on TV at all. So. With Samoa Joe being injured yet again, it feels as though he was finally getting a push and he was being in that main event scene that we've always wanted him to be in. And 
if you just keep getting injured, it's hard to put any stock or any you know emphasis behind you because always in the, even if it's true or not, people in the back of their mind can be like, maybe we shouldn't push them all that often because we're going to put a lot of stock in them and then he's just going to get injured again. We got to start from scratch. That is a very good possibility. I do, I just want to see Joe get the title. Come on, like it's at least let let him hold it for a month. Come on, guys, let's just just give him the WWE Championship. That's all we really need here. Yeah, that's that's my point. All right, uh, five women that AEW could potentially sign in 2020 that are free agents. I have the list here. I'm not gonna lie. I only know of two of these women. So here we go. Uh, what's this? Session Moth Martina. Apparently, she has a quirky attitude that would be great for being the elite. Ah, oh, Jesus. Okay. Do you, do you know who that is, Brandon? No, I do not. Where are you getting these lists from, Philip? Um, it is. DDT or DailyDDT.com. These are all free agents, and this is just a like, hey, you know, th- these women are free. You need to spice up your women's division. That's that's basically what this list is. Uh, number four is Jazz, a former WWE Women's Champion. You know, she she was a part of that ruthless aggression era that we were just speaking of. Uh, one of the real women's wrestlers of of that era. So I, I think that would be really good to see. I mean, she had battles with uh, Victoria and Trish. And you know she she was a she was a dominant, a dominant dominant woman, and then Beth Phoenix came along and kind of continued the dominance in the women's division. So I think Jazz would be an, a, a big plus. She was the NWA's women's champion about a couple years ago, and she had a nice match with the Taya Valkyrie on uh, the what, title match network. So I think that'd be really interesting. Any thoughts on Jazz? I haven't seen any of Jazz's work in the past, I don't know, 15 years, so I don't exactly know what she's doing. I know what she looks like, but I don't know what her work is. I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but, I mean, if you have the cap space, you can sign her up. Awesome Kong, I would say, kind of would be in the similar uh, you know, slot, but we haven't seen her really do anything, whether that be time commitments with glow creative differences her being injured because of you know her old age who exactly knows what's going on in kong but if jazz is open she's healthy i think she's someone who can be a gatekeeper and put a lot of the women over to give them some credibility there you go uh number three on this list is alley cat apparently ladies and gentlemen she is half human feline and half feline death machine don't let the character fool you. She is a real business inside of the ring, and she can adapt to new challenges. Wow. Okay. So AEW is going to have an alien. A bunny. And a cat. A bunny and a cat. Oh, my God. Jesus, that's great. Oh, we're going to talk about that alien stuff. I don't like that either. All right, Maki Ido. Oh, Jesus. I hope I got that right. I pretty good. I got that right. Another Joshi. Another Joshi. She's done stuff in stardom. She's been the, uh, she's been the international princess champion. She's wrestled in Tokyo quite a bit, so okay, I'll see. Let's let's do it. I guess that's fine. I'll be honest; I don't even know who that is. Yeah, same here, bro. But, but she's probably a good wrestler. That, that's what the women's division needs at this point. All right, and then number one is Trish Adora. She just won the Pan African American uh, Desperada Championship, so she's the uh, first holder of that. That's awesome. And her finisher name. Is Lariat Tugman? That's a. I got. I got to throw up the fist. My sister. That's what's up. I think I've seen a little bit of her work on the indies. You know, just falling down a, a YouTube rabbit hole of indie wrestling, and I, I've seen a couple of her matches. So she she does do uh, good work. You know, 
She's been in GCW. She's their first ever women's champion. And she's been holding that title for, at this point, 473 days and counting. So that that's what's up, man. I think uh, I'm going to have to watch the match where she um, becomes the uh, Desperata champion. But I, I think she can do big, big work. And un- unlike Buddy Murphy, she could be the newest uh, best-kept secret for the AEW women's division. Wow, that's that's an interesting way to put that on this article. Okay. I dig it. Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. All right, uh, Double or Nothing t- uh, 2 tickets have gone on sale. Brandon, have you, se- have you secured? Yes, I have secured the bag. All right. So, are you are you excited? Are you are you excited for Double or Nothing too? I'll be honest. I'm not as excited as I was last year, just because it was the first ever AEW show. We didn't know what we were getting into. Now we've been here for I don't even know how long. It's been six months. The build for Double or Nothing hasn't started yet, so I don't want to say it's going to be a trash show or a really good show, but it's a different show. So. You know, but right now I'm excited. Maybe I'm more excited just going to Vegas overall than the show itself, which I wouldn't say the same last year. That was like when that show came out, I was like, I got to go to the show. It's going to be the best thing ever. So it's just kind of a little look into how AEW might have not fallen off, but, you know, it's just kind of different right now. We're just kind of in the swing of things. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I highly advise anybody to go to Double or Nothing, uh, Vegas, Starcast, do the whole thing. It's an unbelievable experience. Uh, I haven't secured my ticket yet, but I will be going. And of course, AEW is going to continue running uh, the MGM Garden Arena with a dynamite uh, episode a few days after Double or Nothing. So stay for the whole thing. Make a make a really nice little week and a half vacation out of it. It's it's an unbelievable experience. You'll love it. Inside of the ring, T- Tessa Blanchard is going to Cactus Invasion. That is Cactus League Wrestling and East Bay Pro Wrestling putting on an event together in Pacheo, California, uh, June 26th of 2020. The Impact World Champion will be in town. We go, we're going to go see Tessa? Quite possibly, you know, yesterday I was out on assignment, and I might have had a little inside scoop on what the uh, lineup might be, who Tessa might even face. So, you know, y- your boy's in the loop out here with that Bay Area wrestling scene. Oh, oh, what? Okay, we, um, you're going to have to tell me that off air, you know, got to keep the fans waiting. Got to keep the fans waiting. All right, also, we have Brian Pillman Jr. becoming the Warrior Champion. Uh, Warrior Wrestling has been doing a lot of great work with their promotion. They've really been on the up and up and rise in the indie scene. And Pillman Jr., he became the head honcho of that promotion by winning their championship. Congratulations to BPJ uh, on all your success. You have a sweet mullet, and I can't wait to see you do more, brother. Always fan of the mullet. Gotta, gotta love the mullet, BBL. All right, the Crockett Cup, April 19th, 2020. If it was a day later, that would have been a really fun day for some people. Ha, 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 ha. But yes, uh, Aldis versus Scroll 2. The world's title is on the line. Sweet Charlotte, the 10 pounds of gold. Uh, I know it's a couple months away, but do, do you think uh, do you think Scroll walks walks away with the uh, the 10 pounds of gold? It could be a possibility. Marty Scroll is... Uh, kind of set in what he's doing. He's going to be with ROH. He's been doing this stuff with the NWA. Honestly, I haven't been watching NWA. I know it's something I should be watching. I heard a lot of good things about it, but there's just so much stuff in wrestling, outside of wrestling, that I, I got to catch up on. So 
I'm hearing good things, so if you got time, if you're into the studio wrestling scene, definitely go check it out. Yes, maybe one day I'll, I'll uh, make the venture to go to an NWA taping. Brandon, I, I think we should. Uh, I, I think we should come along. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe, maybe, maybe. One thing I did forget to mention on uh, out or it, it, we can say it here on Inside of the Ring Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, um, presented by West Coast Pro, debuted in the Bay Area this past weekend. Levi Shapiro, who has been on the show, and my good buddy. Bimbo Jimbo James Kincaid are the hosts of that show, and they did a phenomenal job. I got to watch it on YouTube. And uh, David Marquez, who is the owner of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and the uh, network that hosts that, he was on there too. It was it was an amazing watch. And Brandon, do you remember Ulysses? Yes, I do remember. Friend of the podcast. Yes, he is the in-studio director of that show. Good for him, you know. SF State is the producer of that show. They do it at the SF State campus, so shout out to them. You know, breaking news. Hopefully, yesterday I submitted my graduation application, so, you know, maybe after 20 years I'm finally going to be done with the schooling. Hey, man, you had a hell of a run. If you you are going to have to hang it up for the academic side, it was an amazing career, Brandon. I'm going to be like, uh, I'm pretty sure you've never seen it because you're not a sports guy, Philip, but I'm just picturing myself doing my grad application. And I'm like the swaggy P meme where he shoots the three, turns around, celebrates, but the ball just bounces in and out of the rim and it goes out. So I'm going to get denied. I'm uh, I'm on the internet. I've, I've seen I've seen that. Okay, just making sure. You know, I, I don't know what kind of memes you've seen. I, I, I've seen them all. All of them. Yeah, so Brandon, did you get to see uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood presented by West Coast Pro? Wow. Well, it's on YouTube. Take a look. It, it was very good. You got to see Keita Murray, Steven Trezario, all these guys who have been on our show uh, wrestling there. So it was really cool to see all these guys just trying to make a name for themselves down there and try to succeed. That's awesome. I, I love it. I love everything about it. This day in wrestling, WWE or WWF, Madison Square Garden, 1978. Bob Backlund becomes WWE champion. Chi-Town Rumble, 1989. This was a part of the trilogy of Flair and Steamboat. It's still the greatest trilogy I've ever seen. Um, yeah, Ricky Steamboat defeats Flair to win back the big gold, the world heavyweight title. There was a Raw on this day in 95 in which uh, Diesel retains the WWE Championship against Jeff Jarrett. WCW Super Brawl 10, 2000. Sid Vicious retains the world championship. WWE No Way Out. Big Show takes a big L to John Bradshaw Layfield in 2005, so Bradshaw could successfully retain the world title and drop it to Cena uh, a few months later at WrestleMania 21. There was a Raw on this day in 2006. I think Shelton Benjamin won the Intercontinental Championship. Elimination Chamber 2011. This was in Oakland at the old Oracle Cole- Oracle Arena. I almost said Coliseum. Jesus. Uh, Edge successfully retained the World Heavyweight Championship. And then we have a Raw on this day in 2017. Big Show and Braun Strowman went at it. Do you have anything to talk about from any of those points of what I just said? Jesus. Not really, Philip. Did we not do a watch-along for the Chi-Town Rumble 989? And it's uh, never going to see the light of day because the audio quality was terrible. Uh, have we, we released that? No, no, I don't think we have released it. We we, we did do a watch-along for it, but it was uh, the audio quality. I couldn't save it. I, I, that, I, I couldn't. I apologize to the people, but it, it, it was a good. It, it was a great match. Definitely would recommend you guys go check that out. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, guys, if you know of any matches that are going to turn uh, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10 years old in the year of our Lord 2020, please send them our way so we can watch them and hopefully we can discuss them for a match pick of the week or even do a separate bonus podcast for a watch along to them. We're trying to get our wrestling historian game up. You feels me? Yeah, did I mean? Yeah, did I mean? All right, uh, fan mail, jack of all trades. Passion, courage, vibrant, and star. Those are words that I used when I talked about the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And now after that cage match and his post-show promo, these are words I'll use to forever describe Cody. What a performer and student of the game. The Dream must be proud of his little nightmare. Oh my god, wow. That was a really good email, man. I really... Brings a tear to my eye. It does bring a tear to your eye. I, I am. Uh, we're we're going to discuss uh, Cody and the whole post-show thing. Um, in a little bit. That, that was awesome. Hootie Who 420. Hootie Who. Seth Rollins wearing one glove. He's trying to embrace his inner Michael Jackson. He, <laughs> he, he. And Cody's match at on Dynamite was an absolute gem, as Philip would say. The mates got what it takes. Put the damn title on him. Wow. Wow. Fire. Fire. Well, I would put the title on Cody, but he's not allowed to have the title. It's it's wrestling. We're 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 gonna work around all of that. We are going to work around all of that. All right, let me go over to the bullet cast DMs here, and we have in brightest day X, the graphic designer for you boys. Here we go. To paraphrase Samuel L. Jackson, uh, a time to kill. Yes, Dolph Ziggler deserves to die, and I hope he burns in hell. What the Jesus? I know that's low-hanging fruit, but I can't help myself. I have to grab it. Please forgive me. What are the chances that The Rock's daughter <laughs> goes by the name Pebbles Mivy? <laughs> what? Um, I guess the Ziggler thing is referencing him stealing Otis's date, but what are the chances we see Pebbles Mivia in NXT? I don't think we're going to ever see Pebbles Maivia. Maybe we see, uh, you know, the Pebble. <laughs> that was funny. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. That was funny. How long until AEW uses Jaguar Stadium for a pay-per-view? I don't know. It's it's in their backyard. It's their home offices. It's their home base. Why wouldn't they use that? Brandon, you're the sports boy. It is something that they could do. I think uh, the boys, you know, the Young Bucks, Cody, I think they've talked a little bit about it. I think, you know, it's something that was with ECW is you never want to overshoot the capacity. You never want to overshoot, you know, what you can fill. You do, you always want to maybe if you can run a smaller building that you definitely know you can sell out, you should do that. But if you think you can't sell out a 20,000-seater, then just do 10,000. So I, I don't know if AEW could sell out a what, however many seats that is, 70,000 or even, you know, just do a lower bowl. Yes, there's been a history of the Dallas shows and stuff where it wasn't a complete sellout, but now in this day and age with WrestleMania, I think there's much higher expectations, not only with production value, but then just kind of sell, uh, selling the venue out. So I think it's something that they're going to keep in their back pocket one of these days, but I don't think they're going to do it this year, maybe even next year. I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't see them doing it in the near future. I don't see them doing it in the near future either. Also, uh, his last one is, can't remember the last time I was emotionally invested in a cage match like I was when I was watching Dynamite. 
Oh uh, yeah, man. Like it was it was a really good one. We're I don't want to go into it right now because we got we got to, we got to talk about Raw first. But oh AEW, they've been stepping up their game, by the way. Uh, I forgot to throw this on the script. They're having a toy line come out. They've partnered with uh, Jazzwars, I think that's how you say that, for a nice little toy line. Uh, prototypes have already been made for Brandy, Cody, Kenny, the Bucks, and Le Champion. Uh, I've seen them. They look really solid. Do you have any thoughts on the toy line? They look like solid figures. I'm not really a collecting guy, but I do follow the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast on YouTube and on Instagram. Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, they're definitely uh, toy marks and very interesting. Uh, I mean, my boy Sam Roberts, I, I might add, he, uh, he he's the real toy collector in the game. And by the way, Chelsea Green was just on Sam Roberts' show, and she discusses like how she has to take like 15 boxes and put them in her car and carry them in the house. Because these are just like twenty-five, fifty thousand dollars in toys. This is real, and just toys that Zack Ryder buys. They don't call him a thousand-dollar broski for no reason. No, man. There, there are people in the world that are hungry, bruh. Not gonna spend that much money buying toys. It's an investment. No, it's not. It's really not. As, a, as someone who's into shoes, I can appreciate. Yeah. The collecting. Hey, look, let me tell you this right now. If you have ever bought a pair of Jordans, if you have spent like $300 on a pair of shoes, they cost 40 cents to make, you should be you you should feel like an absolute idiot. I'm just saying. So are you calling me an idiot, Philip? Hey, Brandon, I I don't want to do that to you, bro. I'm just saying, man, like re- re- rethink your uh rethink your pocket, man. Like I I rock Crocs. They're mine are like what 30 bucks. They're cool, they're comfy. I like them. They're chill. They're the thing right now. I'm I'm stylish on a on a on a low budget. You feel me? Don't don't buy into brands, people. Don't buy into brands. Get stuff that you like, that is comfortable for you, and that looks decent. You don't have to spend damn near a, a whole paycheck from working at let's say I don't know a Starbucks or a McDonald's on a pair of shoes, guys. Come on, be responsible with your money. That's all I'm saying. Yeezys are very comfortable, Philip. Are they? I might. Oh my God. Uh, let me let me borrow. Let me, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to borrow your shoes. It's kind of grimy. Uh, I'll I'll talk I'll talk to Kanye. See if I can get a free pair. And then I'll 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 get a uh, a real feeling for them. If you know what I mean. Also, AEW is launching a podcast. Is AEW unscripted? Um, the first episode features John Moxley, who is going after the AEW World Championship next week at Revolution. This will be a hosted by Audrey Edwards, who is a referee for All Elite Wrestling, and Tony Schiavone, a lead commentator for AEW. That's awesome, dude. What do you think about them stepping in the podcast game, too? More competition for your boys. It really is. Have you continued to listen to any of the WWE podcasts? I have not. I started to listen to the New Day podcast, but then just this other podcast, and they just all build up, and it, it gets a little much. Oh, wow, this really launched today. It's it's really here. I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to. Damn, they have a 5.0 rating already. I'm gonna have to subscribe, bro. I'm gonna have to subscribe. I'm excited. I really am. I'm gonna have to download this. All right, we are going to get into the raw recap. Becky Lynch wants revenge on Shayna Baszler after Baszler became a vampire and bit her neck and all that other stuff. Uh. Becky brought out a bag of money, said, I'm paying my fine for whatever I did, yada, yada, yada. Bottom line, there was a woman's elimination chamber match set for the elimination chamber pay-per-view. Winner faces Becky Lynch at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship. I wonder who's going to win. 
Yeah, I thought this. I've been really enjoying Raw recently, but I thought this was maybe one of the weaker episodes in the past month. The Becky Lynch stuff, it was all right. I, I wasn't the biggest fan of her just bringing out all this money, and the promo was was all right. The the Shayna promo was all right. It didn't make a lot of sense for Shayna not being on the roster, but yet she's getting screen time. She's being on the Titantron. She's being you know not being suspended or fined or anything for her heinous actions. So that kind of aspect of things doesn't really make any sense. I'm not going to say that they've messed this up yet. It was just, I think they're overthinking it, as I said last week. You didn't need to do all these gimmicks with Shayna biting her neck off. You could have just had a stare down and just straightforward Shayna Baszler storyline from NXT. Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch before Survivor Series. Like, that's all you really need. But yet, she's a vampire. She is Gangrel's daughter. You know, when Gangrel comes to the Bay for APW in April, I might have to ask him, like... How how did he uh, how did he train her to get such a vicious bite on the back of people's necks? It's no. all about the sharpening of the teeth. Oh, there you go. Gotta gotta get those those things sharp. Maybe maybe Britt Baker is her dentist. Quite possibly. See what I did there? Tying it all together. Ah. All right, Randy Orton brutalizes Matt Hardy. Matt comes out in a uh, neck brace. Thank God they didn't actually have a match. Uh, and he talks about you know how how disgusting Randy is. And Randy's like, you know, maybe you should have said goodbye to these people. Kind of playing into the oh, this is Matt Hardy's last WWE appearance. He's gonna leave, you know. So he gets RKO'd and then he gets concertoed, not on a chair but like on the steel steps. And then boom, chair shot. And then another one. Randy Orton, vicious. Heinous, disgusting. Uh, he, he's the best heel in the business right now. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Randy Orton still has it. Brandon, come on. You have to applaud him again. Four weeks in a row. C- come on, man. Just say it. This was good. This was very good. The little subtle facial... Uh, ex, ex, uh, oh, Jesus, I can't even talk right now. That's how, that's how fired up I am about this. You know? The facial expressions. That Randy does. The little slight ones. They make it all work. They make it all come together. Brandon, put over Randy Orton. I'm not going to put him over super strong like I've been doing the past few weeks. I thought I thought the angle was good. Just I didn't like how Randy, the whole segment just took so long. And you have the referees coming out to try to stop him, but yet they can't even get in the ring and yank the chair away from him. And then you have no friend. Apparently Matt Hardy has zero friends to come out and help him. It makes it even more prevalent at the end of the show when the Street Profits come out to help the baby faces. Where were they when Matt Hardy was getting murdered in the middle of the ring? So, you know, they went back to the well again. I think it worked in terms of getting a crowd reaction and getting heat on Randy Orton. But once again, just kind of the subtle storytelling details just didn't make a whole lot of sense because where is everybody to try to stop this? Because it was so Randy Orton paced. It's not their their problem. It's as simple as that. So if a co-worker was getting concertoed in the parking lot of your gas station, you wouldn't do anything. Am I am I there? You're in you're in the break room. I'm I'm in watching the, on a monitor. We don't have monitors. Watching the security footage. We, we, the security footage. We don't have we don't I don't have access to all that, Brandon. Let's just play the what if game. 
Um, I would call the police. There we go. I would call the police. That's what I would okay. do. Maybe, maybe, maybe they were making a... Where, where were they at this week? I don't know the town. Maybe they made a call to the local sheriff's department and who knows? I haven't seen a mugshot yet. Maybe Randy left the arena soon after. We don't know. They were in Everett, Washington. Shout out Everett to where they can't say Seattle. They can only say Washington because no one knows where Everett is. <laughs> That's great. That is really great. Jesus. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Charlotte Flair cuts a promo talking about Rhea Ripley and the NXT Women's title. She says it's the title she put on the map. It's the title she helped make what it is today. And she will see her at WrestleMania. Love it. Put over Charlotte. Do it. Do it now. It was a good babyface promo by Charlotte. The only thing is, I'm pretty sure Charlotte's supposed to be a heel. And when she's in the Raw environment and she's not burying NXT, but she's like, you know, I'm the reason why all these women are here today and they don't care and they, you know, take for granted what... Because, you know, those young whippersnappers, they don't know how easy they get it. And I... With Rhea Ripley not having any response to that, it kind of was like, oh, I guess Charlotte's telling the truth. And especially with a lot of people who might not be watching NXT, they're just going to believe what she says. And who knows if this storyline is going to play out mostly on Raw, mostly on NXT, a mixture of both. If like Raw, Charlotte's on Raw doing stuff and Rhea's on NXT doing stuff, and they, they'll mingle every you know other week. But... I, I wasn't a big fan of the promo because it didn't fit the character of Charlotte. You know how many times I've been saying, what am I supposed to feel about Charlotte Flair? And this was just another evidence of her being flippy floppy. Uh, you should feel all the emotions towards Charlotte Flair. She's a generational talent. Her last name is Flair. No, but I get where she was coming from talking about like how you young people are kind of disrespectful. I understand that, bro. Like, look, I'm a wrestling coach. I tell these kids all the time. Back in my day, we, we went on and we did this, we did this, we helped this place grow. You kids just take it all for granted. I get that. I understand that. My point is you you need to feel about Charlotte however you need to feel, you know, with whatever promo she's cutting. The point being, the match is going to be excellent. We, we know this. It's going to be very good because after what happened last year, triple threat match, it was a Interesting build, convoluted at times, yes. Didn't really live up to the hype. It was a very anticlimactic finish. Uh, so I, I think this one will be very good, and I think we will get a definite finish. And uh, I'll call it now. I think Charlotte goes over. Call it right now. I'm still on the fence. I don't know who's going to win. I could see both sides. But put Rio over strong because she's the up-and-coming young star. Put flair over because she's the bigger star she can be in nxt gain some viewership so i can see both sides of the argument absolutely but before we get to that bianca Belair did call out charlotte on last night's episode of nxt so we might see bianca Belair and charlotte flair have a match on nxt so stay tuned for that make it at the wrestlemania takeover there we go that's, that's good enough that's good enough. Let's try the work double duty in in one weekend. Let, let her do that. That'd be nice. Love to see it. All right, we have Seth Rollins' sermon. 
on Monday Night Raw, the Monday Night Messiah preaching to the people as his disciples Razor, Akam, and Murphy stand by him. He gets interrupted by the Viking War Raider experience and Kevin Owens, which leads uh, to the Viking War Raider experience and Kevin Owens defeating AOP and Murphy later on in the show. Thoughts on the sermon and thoughts on the match. It's really all the same, the same ish. Like, what are we doing? Let's have something different happen. Let's. I'm tired of six-man tag team matches, player. I'm tired of eight-man tag team matches, player. The sermon, it was something different. Cool, sure. Let's change it up. Let's get one of the AOP members in a one-on-one match with one of the members of the Viking War Raider experience. I don't know. Let's do something different. The sermon, I thought it was boring. I thought it was just the same bland sermony stuff that Rollins has been preaching for like the past month since heel turn. Um, so I didn't really like that. The match itself, what you said is true. I feel like we've seen this kind of incarnation so many times that it's just kind of, okay, I've seen this before. I don't need to watch this. And I was wondering like two, three weeks ago, they went to the match of, you know, they had like the big six man, eight man tag. And it's like, okay, where do they go from here? Because I was thinking maybe they build this towards a pay-per-view match. But now they just kind of keep going to that well over and over and over again. Yes, I think the end result would be KO versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. But we still have like two months to get to that point. So we're just going to keep on getting this type of stuff, which I'm not excited to see. No, they need to have a blow-off sooner than that. Like at uh, Blood Money in the Sand 5 next week or Elimination Chamber, like something. Or even an episode of Raw. Like I want to see something. I want to I see Rollins do something meaningful at WrestleMania. Come on, guys. Let's 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 pick the pace up here. We get we gotta we gotta we gotta be better than this. We must be better than this. I feel like it's falling through the cracks a little bit. With Brock Lesnar not being there, Seth Rollins once again is being leaned on to fill a lot of television time. And Seth Rollins, I think, is good to fill five minutes of TV time, but I don't want him sitting out there speaking for ten straight minutes. Oh, no, I love the sermon. It was great. You know, I'm an ordained minister, so I got what he was saying. Loved everything about it. Oh, my brother, testify. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Also, we have uh, Drew McIntyre defeating Montel Vontavious Porter. I thought MVP was done. I I thought he retired from WWE. That's what the internet said. Yeah. But, but then again, you know, I we hear, you hear stories of Vince McMahon talking people out of stuff and getting them to do something else, and Vince is a very convincing SOB. And plus, we got to hear the theme song again. It was great. I love it. You know, MVP could wrestle every week. I'll, I'll be fine with it, man. As long as you get to hear that theme song. One, two, you hear the clock ticking. Tick, tock, you about... No, you're not going to sing with me? Ball in. That's not even, that's not even a lyric in the song. Kobe. Wow. Okay. Anyway, so what did you think of McIntyre versus MVP? It was fine. It was a short squash match for Drew McIntyre. It's a good little few to kind of keep Drew McIntyre busy until, I don't know, when Brock Lesnar is going to come back and have his sights set on McIntyre because he has the match with Ricochet. But, um... I mean, it's fine. I think maybe McIntyre will move on and have like another little mini feud for Elimination Chamber. And then we're going to get on to the C towards WrestleMania or the current towards WrestleMania since, you know, pirate themed Philip. 
Oh, yes. Yes, you know. What, what, what is it? What, what did he say? Claymore Country? Is that what it is? Claymore Country? Versus Suplex City? Oh, God. This, this is terrible. I was trying to think of something to, like, be a county or a state. I couldn't think of anything. Yeah, man. So that's that's what's happening. Apparently. Uh, Claymore kick over AF. But it all takes place in the WWE universe. Bam. There you go. There you go. Uh, the phenomenal one is back. AJ Styles. He Anderson and Gallows call him Mr. WrestleMania. And, uh, oh, here, let's talk about this. We didn't talk about this. What, what are your thoughts on the possibility of AJ Styles and The Undertaker wrestling each other at WrestleMania? It's a possibility. It's a match that'll happen. I mean, with AJ being in his older age but still able to move and bump, I think it's a good matchup for Taker. I think this match might be 10 years too late. That match 10 years ago would have been absolutely fantastic nowadays both guys maybe past definitely past their peak but aj i think can still get something out of taker i think the last time we saw taker i thought he was definitely a little bit better than what we saw him with goldberg but um i mean at this point it's kind of what we saw with taker and cena taker's gonna go out there do the greatest hits not have a, a blow away match but it's taker you're you're glad to see him as long as he doesn't kill himself in the ring. So, I mean, th- this promo that AJ cut here, there was kind of like, I felt as though this was the beginning of that program. He was talking about being Mr. WrestleMania. I don't know how they're going to get to the thing, how they're going to get to the match. Maybe AJ just says, you know, I'm Mr. WrestleMania. I'm going to do what Shawn Michaels could never do and beat Undertaker WrestleMania. And then we're off to the, the current. I see. Uh-huh. Um, Brandon, what are your greatest hits? Uh, nobody got hurt. That's all we can ask for. Uh, give me that Becky. Let's see. Yeah, uh, I, I probably got some other ones. Wow, look at you. You have a, you have a nice little playbook there. Uh, no, but in, in reality, uh, I, I hear Taker wanted AJ because he is the closest thing to Shawn Michaels. And that's true. You know, for the longest time... He, People said, oh, it's Dolph Ziggler. He bumps like crazy. He wears long pants. He has blonde hair, and he throws a super kick. Oh, it's Seth Rollins with this uh, excitement in the ring. But no, nah, man, AJ Styles, is a, he's a different level of performer. He is phenomenal. He's smooth. He's crisp. And, you know, nowadays in pro wrestling, you you hit your your your, your uh, that latter prime in your, your late 40s into your 50s, a la Christopher Daniels, Jericho, and uh, Dustin Rhodes, you know? So I think it's going to be fine. AJ will bump like crazy for him. Taker will go out there and do his greatest hits. Old school, choke slam, last ride, tombstone. He's not doing the dive over the top rope. No more tope con helos for uh, the big dead man. But yeah, I think it will be a, a very nice match once it does happen. Ricochet comes out there, has a confrontation with the OC, and then Ricochet goes on to defeat Carl Anderson, who has a hot Asian wife. Once again, Ricochet showing... That he can beat up big guys, just like how Sheamus can show that he can beat up short guys. What if a short guy beats up a short guy? Then we got a WLC match. What if a big guy beats up a big guy? Then do we have a hoss fight? Yep. Wow. All right, Angel Garza and Bobby Lashley defeat Humberto Rio and Rusev. 
yes, that was a match that happened. It happened. Nobody got hurt. That's all we can ask for. I'm stealing all your, I'm stealing all your greatest hits, Brandon. Why? Oh. Doing the covers. Oh, yeah. Doing the <laughs> I'm doing the covers. There we go. Um, Alistair Black, he defeats Eric Rowan. Two black masses for the big dub. Still don't know what's in the cage. Really don't care. Eric Rowan, I liked you when you were with the Deep Rye, being the Planets Tag Team Champions, but uh, you can go work at McDonald's and empty grease traps. Take Matt Riddle and uh, No Way Jose with you. Yeah. Both of these guys have been having squash matches for so long, I would hope, I was going to think that if this match was going to happen, you would have put some sort of build into it. Not saying either one of these guys are going to cut 90-second promos backstage, but just put some emphasis, show some of the highlights of their squash matches, and say, like, look, these two guys are on a roll. What's going to happen when they collide? And it's like they they did the opening segment, then they have the match, no build, no heat, Black one, which was the right finish, because I think he definitely had a lot more upside than Rowan, but I felt as though this was a squandered opportunity. Uh, yeah, man, like, a nice little build would have been uh, cool for it, but you know, it's whatever. What, what's Alistair Black going to do, man? Where, where's he going? I don't really know. I mean, if I just kind of look through the script here and just kind of see some of the, the people on the roster, I don't really know what you could see. I mean, we've done the Murphy thing before. That's not going to happen. If Samoa Joe is healthy, maybe Black turns heel or Samoa Joe turns heel, but Samoa Joe shouldn't be turning all over the place. I mean, Ricochet and Black could be kind of a fun babyface, babyface matchup. Garza's out there. Andrade's out there. I, I mean, we kind of speculated maybe Andrade and Aleister Black, so maybe that's something we could see. Yeah, yeah, I think we, I think we do that, and then uh, Zelina, she's kind of conflicted because this is her real life husband, but then this is her, uh, her business associate. So that that's that's interesting, you know. And then uh, I think I guess Garza's, I, I think he should stick around and be kind of the, uh, the little lackey of Andrade, so he could take some of the heat, like take a couple black masses to the face, and maybe even do a storyline where oh, it broke his jaw. This is how severe this move is, you know. And Andrade's felt the raft of the black mass before, you know. That's how we lost the NXT championship, so. I think something for Garza to do at WrestleMania could be maybe a match with Rey Mysterio. I think that could be a lot of fun. Because, yeah, Garza, I've said it before, he does give me Eddie vibes. He does give me that early Latino heat. We Could could it be a, um, I don't know, similar to, what was that, 97 Halloween Havoc? Could we, if they were to try to maybe recreate a couple spots in that, I think that would be really cool, paying homage to Eddie and showing that Rey can really truly still go. I think that could be fun, but as we kind of map out WrestleMania, it's starting. It's kind of a lackluster WrestleMania, to be honest, but we're still going to have like 17 matches, and the show's going to be 10 hours long. Yeah, anything in the home of Hulk Hogan is a, is, a, is, a, is a stinker, brother. Yeah, I said it. I'm still not over it. I don't give a damn. You can boo me if you want, but boo the guy that chooses to wear red and yellow instead of black and white, guys. It is the home of Jameis Winston in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where Jameis Winston threw 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. So maybe for WrestleMania, it's going to have a lot of good things, but equally as many bad things. Don't the Buccaneers suck? Am I wrong, or is that true? Aren't they terrible? I mean, they're not terrible. They're kind of on the way up. Dude, but Jameis hey, Winston's kind of trash. Dude, look, let me tell you something. My, my cousin's little, little league team was the Buccaneers. They were garbage, but apparently somebody said they played better than the real Buccaneers. So yeah, 
So just because one random person said that, you're just going to take hey, their word he, for it. He, he's a sports connoisseur. I'll take his word for it. Yeah. Then again, this was like 10 years ago, so who really, who really knows? Um, anyway, we are going to move on to the 24-7 title triple threat. It happened. Uh, Riddick Moss retains, and R-Truth was upset and hits a scissors kick on uh, Mojo Raleigh. Do we care? Not really. All right. AEW. Dynamite! We have a uh, tag team turmoil battle royal. Both teams had to be thrown over the top rope and eliminated, and the last team standing would become the number one contenders for the All Elite Wrestling World Tag Team Championships. And your winners were the Young Bucks. It was a tag team battle royal, so a little, little awkward, a little clunky, you know, not something we're not really used to seeing, but I thought it was really good. I thought the ending worked out very well. The crowd was on fire to see Matt beat up uh, Pride and Powerful. And shout out to Raven, who was just randomly in the crowd. I know technically we didn't interview him, but he was in the building for Stockton Con for the Q&A with Kath, not Kathy Kelly, Kelly Kelly. So I think we should also, if Raven ends up doing anything with AEW, we should take credit for his success as well. I think we should take credit for his success. I've talked to uh, Chris Bay about and probably, probably doing something, and look at him. He just got signed to Impact Wrestling. So, you know, I talked to you about doing something. I'm in your presence, or I interview you. You're going to be successful, John. You're going to be successful too, my brother. I see it. I see the future. Yeah, I'm talking to you. We should name, rename this podcast Midas. Be, you know, the Midas podcast because we got the golden touch. We do have the golden touch. You know, I, I got, I got all the touches. As water is being ran, I, I, I can see, I can, I can see the stream. You know, the stream of success. You're gonna go down that, my brother. I feel it. I feel it. But as we continue, uh, what are your thoughts on Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks going at it? That's going to be a really good match. A little spoiler alert for the tag team title match that happens on a little bit later. But I think this is going to be a good match. We're going to have to see what happens next week with the um, the 30-man Iron Man match with Omega and Pac. So maybe something's going on there. We can talk a little bit more about the Omega Hangman situation. But uh, I, I would not be shocked if they finally put the titles on the Bucks here. I wouldn't be shocked either. Uh, moving on, we have Moxley uh, going up against Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb, a career accolades, APW Universal Champion. He's been on this show. Ring of Honor Television Champion. Wrestled in New Japan. And now he's in AEW. He's all elite. And it was it was a nice play to have Taz on commentary for this match because Taz and uh, Cobb do have similar styles. Kind of short boys who wear singlets and do suplexes. So I dug all of that. Moxley gets the roll-up win over big Jeff Cobb. This was a big match for Cobb to see what he can do on this big stage. I definitely think he delivered. I thought this match was really good, and I thought it was the correct finish. Moxley should have won. He did win, but it was kind of a fluke victory with Cobb pretty much you know, getting a lot of offense in. He was on the verge of possibly getting the win, but Moxley, just a sneaky veteran that he is, gets the, uh, the little roll-up at the very end. So Cobb looks strong in defeat. Absolutely. And then the inner circle makes their way down to the ring, lay champion, stomping guys out. And Darby Allen, what a huge pop, skateboards down to the ring, makes his return. And uh, yeah, he's uh, taking out guys. He has signs because I guess he can't still talk because of the uh, skateboard shot that he took to his throat that took him out of action for a couple weeks. But uh, yeah, he talks about, you know, or signs about like his return and what's going to happen. Paradigm shift to Jeff Cobb. It was, a, it was a nice little segment. 
shocking how big that pop was for Darby Allen, but it just kind of shows you how good of the connection that he has with the crowd. He hasn't really been on TV all that often, and he comes out and with AEW where, you know, music and visuals might not be as ingrained in our minds as they are with WWE for him to get that kind of instant reaction when his music hit was really cool to see. And his match with uh, Sammy Guevara should be really good. I would put Darby Allen over since he's been losing a little bit recently. So put him over, have him get on the right direction. I don't know what you would do with him. I don't see him being in the title picture right now, Maybe at the end of the year, or maybe he can be kind of that Scorpio Sky where he has a one-off match with the champion. But a, a good week for Darby Allen after being away for a little bit. It really was. You know, he is like Jeff Hardy, you know, that skinnier version of Jeff Hardy. But he's still crazy. He'll throw his body around. And that's, that's how the people really connected to Jeff back in the day and kind of still do. And that's how they're going to be connecting to Darby Allen for the remainder of his uh, professional wrestling career, whether he's in AEW or not. I do like that. All right, we are going to talk about Kenny Omega and Hangman, Hangman Adam Page defeating the Lucha Bros Zero Miedo to successfully retain their AEW Tag Team Championships of Fire match. I like their I like their finish. I'm not going to lie. I'm saying something nice about Kenny Omega. Who who would have thought? Um, that uh, was the buckshot lariat into the V trigger. I really I really do like that. What are your thoughts on uh, Page and Omega getting the big dub over the Lucha Bros? A damn good match. I thought the back and forth was amazing. Uh, they almost had me at the end. I thought the Lucha Bros might have been able to pull it out. But uh, they got the blind tag. Bucks shot Larry with the V-trigger to get the victory. I thought it was really good. And then at the end, you get the Young Bucks coming out, doing a little uh, tug-of-war with Kenny Omega, kind of a Toy Story Woody style. And I thought it was uh, you know setting up maybe Hangman still kind of you know being in his feelings who knows what's going to happen at the match but i think with omega having that brutal match with pack next week and then having to turn around and have a tag team title match with the bucks i think it might be just a little bit too much and i think they'll lose i i still don't think you should turn hangman heel because i think they're really doing uh not not saying they're doing a good job but i think hangman is connecting with the crowd better than he's ever done before so i don't think uh, the original plan was probably for him to turn heel but i think at this point you need to say okay we're not going to do this we, we shouldn't we keep, need to keep him face but what are we going to do if we're going to still kind of tell the same story that's, that's a very good point you know and hangman just drinking you know maybe he gets too drunk and he has a jeff hardy victory road 2011 moment i don't think they're gonna that's gonna happen i don't think that's something you should acknowledge or try to do uh, you shouldn't try to do a lot of things in wrestling like Nightmare Collective and Colts, but yet again, look what happens. Just saying. Uh, Chris Statlander defeats Shayna, or Shauna, whatever, however you pronounce this. She wins, she's successful. Why is she an alien? That's stupid. This is another thing. You shouldn't try to do things in wrestling, but here we are. This is stupid. This is absolutely asinine. Why would you do this? Well, I'm not as against the whole alien shtick as you are, as long as she doesn't have, like, superpowers and gets beamed down from light from the ceiling or whatever. I think it's fine. It's it's wrestling. If, you know, if she wants to cosplay as, a, as an alien, let her do that. But as long as she delivers in the ring, which for the most part I think she does, uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, my long list of women who could challenge for the women's championship, including Sunny Kiss... 
that I said last week. Apparently, I forgot the one person who I think actually should be the number one contender, and that's Chris Statlander. And with the promo from Nyla Rose last week, or this week, I think you know Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose is definitely the direction they're going. I don't know if it's going to be Nyla Rose being a transitional champion where they get the title on Chris Statlander. Who knows? But uh, shout out Shauna. Apparently, she's Portuguese, so you know, got to represent for the culture. Absolutely. Um, and then and then we have the Nyla Rose promo with Big Swole coming. Jesus, I'm getting text messages. With uh, Big Swole coming out there and Chris Statlander. Uh, Big Swole, she was acting a little too... I don't, I don't want to use words like ratchet and, and, and whatever, but she was acting a little too hyped, a little too overhyped for it. You know, she could have just stood in her face and be like, yeah, we can... Uh, I'm going to turn this off. Like, yeah, we can uh, we we can do this. What's up? What's up? Uh, oh my God, I I almost said something very very bad. I almost had a almost had a you moment. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so she, she could be like, "What's up? You know, you want to do this? We can do this." And then I don't know, man. Of course, if we do get Big Swole versus Chris Statlander, I do think Statlander would go over. So she and Nyla Rose could uh, go at it. Uh, that that's gonna be a very interesting little little match set up there yeah i was scared for tony shivani's safety big swole was out there whipping her hair back and forth and i was scared tony was gonna like catch a braid in the eye or something it's not 2010 why, why were people still whipping hair back and forth i want my hair back and forth i want my hair back and forth i'm gonna get more shine in a little bit soon as i hit the stick no you're not gonna sing that one either all i know is whip my hair back and forth philip you see, I'm a, I'm a music connoisseur, okay? Yeah. You name a genre of music, I could, I could sing a song from it. I guarantee you. Well, Philip, if I'm going to take up on that offer, oh, okay. could you <laughs> sing a song or rap a song from the new, uh, unfortunately passed away yesterday, Pop Smoke? Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Pop Smoke? Yes. Uh, um... I, I said a genre. I said a genre, not a specific artist. Hold on, hold on. Why would you? Uh, why would you do that to me? Could you sing me your favorite metal song? Um, cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. Suffocation to freedom. Won't give up if you hear myself breathing. Yeah, there we go. There we go. I don't know if that's metal. Is it not metal? I'm pretty sure it's metal. I mean, I think we need to go talk to Baby Huey about this. Ah. You know, could you sing me your favorite country country song, huh? Yeah. Uh, I got friends in low places, Philip. Oh, oh, Jesus! They're, Don't they're... test me on the country. You know, you didn't think I love country. I mean, I've played country music in the in the car before, Philip. You know this. Come on. I know. I'm a country connoisseur too. Hurricane by Luke Combs, absolutely fire. All right, we are going to move on to talk about the main event of Dynamite. It was a that steel cage looked beautiful, by the way. It was like. As big as a hell in the cell, but it was a steel cage. It was dope. It was, it was really dope. I liked it. Uh, Wardlow takes the L to Cody Rhodes. Fantastic match. Cody's busted open, taking a lot of punishment. But the finish it was unbelievable. The mo- Cody's done this before in the past, but I don't know. It was just like something with it being in his hometown, the, the blood dripping down his face. The moonsault off of the top of the cage onto Wardlow. One, two, three. Uh, MJF did try to get involved, but he got hit in the butt with his steel chair and got thrown around by Arn Anderson. Look, Cody is going to Revolution to wrestle Maxwell Jacob Friedman. It's going to be very, very good. And then the promo after that, 
after that was absolutely amazing. Cody talks about this being in his hometown, talks about how Arn broke his dad's leg, talks about how, you know, the Omni is like a few hundred feet, or the Omni was a few hundred feet up the road. How he talks about that's where he fell in love with wrestling at eight years old. Talks about how the people cheered for his dad. He gets emotional. Uh, it, was just, it, was, it, was, it was heartfelt and it was amazing, man. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Uh, this was a really good match. The blood definitely helped the uh, the match. Wardlow, I thought, impressed. I wasn't expecting too much out of him. He didn't do a whole lot, but I think he definitely played his role perfectly. I did like the stuff with MJF, Arn Anderson, teasing, maybe not teasing, hitting Cody with the, with the uh, door, but ends up hitting MJF instead. I thought that was a good spot. Brandy getting involved, hitting MJF with the chair. I thought that was all fun and good. And then in the end, the moonsault, you know, it was good. It was a good visual, but obviously, I once again, if I'm going to be critical of WWE for this, for not making some sense in some places, Cody, if you look, like, I don't even think one time he really looked back, except for, like, maybe at the very end to do the moonsault. So it's like he just climbed up there without really no- looking or really knowing where Wardlow was, so he just blindly risked his life to jump off the top of the cage. Well, I mean that's uh, that, that's that's how it is, man. You know, sometimes like if you're in a if you're in a fight, you just you can't just see. Oh, where's my opponent? You just kind of kind of have to start throwing jabs and hoping you land a couple. If you're down on the field, you, I know you got to try to see where your wide receiver is, but sometimes the 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 sack is coming in. You just gotta you just gotta make that quick throw, bro. That's how it is. And then when you do that, you turn out to be Jameis Winston and throw thirty interceptions. That is a possibility, you know, but. Sometimes that's just what you got to do. You know what I mean? But uh, did you see the uh, after show promo? Did you see that? I did not, Philip. Tell us about it. I, I did. I, ju- I just talked about it. No, oh, I was kind of half paying attention, I'll be honest. Wow. Oh, my God. You know, you know what, Brandon? Do I have to replace you with young boy number two? Sorry, I was on the Instagram, and Peyton Royce and Tynar Conti were posting these wait, fire what? photos for the gram. Wait, I'm what? sorry. What? Hold on. Wait a second. Hey, now. I mean, do I have to replace you with young boy number two? I'll do it. I will do that. I mean, if you want, you re- can do whatever you I, want, Philip. It's I, your show. I really don't want to. I, res- I respect you as a performer on this on this podcast, you know? We don't just talk wrestling. This is a performance every single week, what we do here. And I respect you, man. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get rid of you. I love you, man. Make me cry. I know, I know, I know. Uh, superstar spotlight. Who do we got? Who do we got? Who do we got? Oh man! Oh my God! This is hard, man. This is actually very, very hard. I will go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to NXT after Takeover Portland. I I'm gonna go Johnny Gargano. We're gonna we're gonna write another chapter into what has been a very storied feud and rivalry between him and Tommaso Ciampa. The Black Heart is going to go up against the Rebel Heart again sometime in the very near future, and it's going to be good. It's going to be very good. I will stay in NXT as well. And, you know, I talked a little bit about about her calling out Charlotte Flair. I'll give it to Bianca Belair. I really did like the match that they had at TakeOver. And then I did like the the thing where they did at NXT where she interrupted a match. She called out Charlotte. And it was just something we've never really seen before in wrestling. The wrestler comes out, interrupts the match. It wasn't a DQ. She, like, literally comes out, talks for 
60 seconds, and then she leaves, and the match continues. So I thought that was a fun little thing on this week's NXT. Yes, 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 yes. Honorable mention the XFL. They're still doing great things. Uh, the sideline reporters to catch a, a player right after they make a, a bad play or something to get their kind of quick thoughts. I, I think that's really great also. Philip, what was your favorite game of week two? Um, no, the DC Defenders are just going at it, man. Against who? I don't even remember. To be honest with you, don't even remember. Yep. What are your thoughts about uh Matt McGloin's plane? You know, honestly, man, I'm really not sure. I I have the coaching job. I was recording with Huey and Jimbo. I kind of did miss. I, I saw like a little highlights, but I, I missed like an entire the entire game. I'm sorry. You're the XFL guy, Philip. I am the XFL guy. It's okay, man. It's fine. So our, our promo pick of the week, MVP, uh, TNA, we have, what is it, May 11th of 2015. What are your thoughts on the promo? It's a good promo. You know, MVP very, being fired up. And maybe MVP's time in TNA isn't very remembered upon because people remember him in WWE and they just kind of think, oh, I wonder whatever happened to MVP. Well, this is what happened to him. This is what he was doing during that time. That is what he was doing during that time. Uh, yeah, he mentioned in the promo how the uh, the word thug is basically the government's cover word for the N-word. I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's interesting. I'd never, uh, I'd never really heard or even thought about that. So that just gives you something to, to think about during Black Excellence Month, eh? Yes, I'm, I'm not going to touch this issue, Philip. That's all you. I, I didn't, I'll, I'll touch it probably on my uh, Black Power ranking sometime later this week. Brandon, what's our closed match pick of the week? Well, our closed match pick of the week is Will Ospreay taking on Ricochet in the semifinal of the Pro Wrestling World Cup from World, or sorry, WCPW, now known as Defiant Wrestling, but it's all closed down, unfortunately. So we all know Ricochet and Will Ospreay, the legendary few that they've had on the indie scene. This isn't maybe the best match. The best match is during the best of Super Juniors. That was the one that got everybody talking, including Vader, which set up the Osprey Vader match and it was anyways, very good match. Uh, definitely check it out. It is free on the YouTube. Will Osprey Ricochet uh, on Defiant Wrestling YouTube channel. Yeah man, that did set up the Vader Will Osprey match and who won? I don't know. Uh, Vader won. Will Ospreay, best wrestler in the world, my ass. Yeah. Couldn't even beat Vader in his declining health. Get the F out of here, man. These New Japan jabrones don't have what it takes. I'm sorry. They don't. Yeah, I went there. No? You have nothing to say? Not really. Okay, cool. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Um, oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you uh, are going to the Chase Center for the Warriors game on Sunday, Brandon and I will be there. My first NBA game. Yes. I remember, I think I did go to a celebrity game back in like 99. I was like three years old. Met us, Shamar Moore from Criminal Minds. That was cool. My mom and I get that picture. Sweet diddly diddly do. Uh, yeah, so if you see us, come up, say hi. Brandon, are you excited for the Warriors game Sunday? So excited. I just can't hide it, to be honest. I'm more excited to see the other team play, the New Orleans Pelicans, and see the number one overall draft pick, Zion Williamson. Want to see him destroy some backboards. 
There you go, man. Oh, Pelicans, my boy, uh, my my boy Isaac. He's a big Pelicans guy because he's from uh, he's from Nola, from 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 New Orleans. Yes, 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 yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, follow us on Twitter at Bullocast, Instagram the Bullocast, YouTube channel the Bullocast, emails Bullocast two is in the number two sweet S W E T at gmail.com every Friday or Saturday night, depending on whatever day it goes up there. Ninety nine point nine FM K up in Watsonville from uh, nine p.m. to ten p.m. iTunes, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Spotify. Patreon. We're all over the damn place. Thank you so much for the continued love and support. Check out Under the Radar whenever Brandon does another one. Check out my uh, other podcast, Complex Conversations, C-O-M-P-L-E-X-X Conversations. I should be dropping some more content there soon. Uh, yeah, man, this is this has been fun. We did the damn thing yet again. Next week, episode 160. Probably do something special. Don't know. We gotta find out. Alright, Brandon, I'll talk to you later. You This has been the Bullocast. Thank you for listening.